Hi, I'm Michaela Loach. And I'm Rebecca. And this is the Yikes Podcast. everyone's doing okay we know it's a big yikes time at the moment um with everything that's going on what a year's been what is happening 2020 man mm. it's a big yikes it's a big yikes yeah like we've had a lot yeah first fires like the world was literally on fire and then the floods then justin bieber released a new album and <laughs> <laughs> now this what is next what is yeah it, um, it, yeah i know that a lot of people might have I don't know, I'm a bit overwhelmed by Corona stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I, for one, am incredibly overwhelmed and I can't go on like social media that often or even watch people's yeah. stories. I've had to meet people who are constantly sharing that they're like brothers, yeah. mums, cousins, friend who like once worked for the WHO has new advice on like how we should act. Like I can't deal with that right now. I can't deal with the new hot takes. So we're not going to give you hot takes nope. on like how you should be acting in the coronavirus. You can get those from the WHO. But we are going to talk about something that's also important. Um, And like, whilst we kind of want to talk about something that was not related at all to everything, we feel like people do want to learn more and engage with this. Um, So we're going to talk about ecofascism and the coronavirus. Yeah, we've kind of talked about ecofascism on the first episode. We introduced that a bit. And like, both of us have talked about it on our Instagrams as well. Um, And I think people are keen to learn a bit more and like how to spot it and Mm. what it is. So yeah. Hi everyone. Um thank you so much for listening. Um this podcast is made possible thanks to all of our patrons. So we really want to say thank you to them. And Patreon is really important to us as we really want this space to be owned by our listeners. Um a lot of things we talk about and the nature of the conversations that we have don't really match well with a lot of advertising platforms um or kind of companies, which means that um patreon is kind of how we can keep this podcast going and it's really really important to us so we would really 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 love if you'd consider becoming a patreon there are extra bonus episodes on patreon there's like you can get downloads with the music you can hear finn our producer actually speak on the patreon which is very exciting we'll be doing like like q a's and there'll be lots of different content on there so we'd really really love um if you came along and joined us over on patreon that's um where we have lots of extra fun stuff and also it just helps this happen and if you've learned anything from this podcast or from me or joe and you'd like to like feedback into our work um patreon's the best way to do that um and we'd be really really grateful if you could sign up for that so um our patreon is the yikes podcast and you can find that in the show notes and thank you so much for supporting us and i hope you enjoy the episode and we'll see you over on patreon Okay, let's introduce it before we actually like dive deep into this topic. Um, so generally, it is an ideology, usually on the far right or far left, um, that basically like wants to restrict the freedom of individuals or groups of people. Usually, um, those are marginalized groups or um, people from pre-colonized um, regions or countries. And um, they are wanting to restrict their freedom in order to meet their agendas. So that could be, for example, climate uh, targets. Yeah, um, it's kind of an ideology that marries white supremacy mm-hmm. with um, environmentalism. 
And I think it's really insidious. Um, a lot of the language around it and a lot of the kind of ideals around it are around like focusing on overpopulation and focusing on restrictions to migration and like restrictions to multi- multiculturalism. Um, but with the guise of like doing it for the planet. <laughs> um, yeah. Which so is, like yeah. kind of hiding it under this like, but the result would be so great for us mm. all. Whereas like you're completely justifying human costs. And mm. yeah. And also, I think it's really important that within whatever we talk about, that we justify why the overpopulation myth is a myth (laughs) as well. Mm. And like the racist roots of it and like how it's been used to oppress people over so much much time. But um, like another thing with eco-fascists is like, it's the reason I think it's quite insidious is a lot of the people who will have these ideas um, and these ideals and be pushing this agenda... um, they kind of come across as people who are like quite sound human beings mm-hmm. <laughs> in other ways. So they'll probably be in activist circles and like they'll, maybe they'll be vegan or, and zero waste and they'll be really anti-plastic and all this other stuff and like very eco-friendly in so many different ways. But it's quite telling that justice isn't at the center of it. Oh, and I think that's what the most important thing is that we need and eco-fascism shows the need for climate justice to be at the center of everything we do and human rights mm-hmm. to be at the center of everything we do and not just um reaching our climate targets by whatever means possible um because we need to have the justice for the most marginalized at the center of everything that we do mm. i think also um sometimes like people tap into these eco-fascist argument without m- mm. possibly meaning it and um you know like even if you're not technically identifying or like your ideologies are usually not on the far right or far left, you can still promote eco-fascist ideas. And with this pandemic like going on right now, there's a lot of headlines that have been promoting um, quite eco-fascist ideas and almost justifying like, oh, but this global pandemic is, you know, dropping emissions. and mm. Like the, the Metro ran an article that was titled with the... I'm sure that all of you have seen the photos that were released by NASA showing emissions from China like this time last year and emissions from China now. And basically a lot of people were sharing these and I felt kind of uncomfortable with them being and the way they're being shared. But I I couldn't quite explain why. And the Metro came out of an article that was headlined, um, the coronavirus has been a really good thing for the environment. And that showed me why, because because that's what everyone else was thinking yeah. when they looked at these photos. Even if they weren't saying it, that's what they were thinking when they shared these photos and when they mm-hmm. saw them. They were thinking like, oh, this is a silver lining. Like, um, like emissions have gone down. This has been a good thing in some ways. Um, and then Stand for Humanity, who's great on Instagram. If you don't follow like them, they're like amazing. Um, they did some stories which really like hit into what I was feeling like, would, would we have run an article like would any publication run an article like that if the virus had first first started in the US or in the UK and if um thousands of people have been killed like in the US and the UK instead instead of it starting in China mm-hmm. like would they have still would they have still run that like no <laughs> I don't I really don't think so and that shows the the like racist roots of that and I think that that's 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 like a more obvious Mm-hmm. showing of it but there are so many more subtle ones and i think that it's so easy especially as people get more desperate with as the climate crisis gets worse and the climate emergency becomes more even more of a pressing concern 
it's so easy for people to to get desperate and to allow these things to seep into our environmental movements. And I've definitely seen people who they don't realize they're being eco-fascist in what they're saying or that they're whistling to eco-fascism. So even if they're not being directly eco-fascist, if they're still like whispering like to and appealing to these eco-fascist movements. Um, So even if they don't mean it, they are still saying things like Mother Earth is just cleansing herself and like that's Mm. a good thing. Yeah. Um, and they might, and I think that we all need, just need to sit for a second and be like, what, what are the roots behind what, us yeah. saying that people, especially people of color dying yes. <laughs> is a good thing. Yeah. And especially, I mean, if we look, you know, who has access to healthcare, who is privileged, privileged enough to get access to healthcare and also to be self-isolating at the moment, like even within the UK and, you know, like there's so many people who cannot and, who um, you don't have those privileges of having backup and insurance and um, all of these things. And obviously like that is really problematic that we then say um, a a pandemic that, um, you know, inflicts and impacts and poses high risk on human lives. Um, We're just going to devalue that because it might be better for our planet, which is not even true. Mm. Um, It's completely not true. And um and even if it was it wouldn't matter because you are devalue devaluing other people's lives particularly those like marginalized or most vulnerable to um such an illness mm. and i think that it's really important to understand the kind of historical background of ecofascism and especially overpopulation to understand why these things are so problematic so um Overpopulation has been an argument that's been made for a long time. Like a lot, lot of scholars, um, pretty much exclusively white male scholars, <laughs> have written about how overpopulation is the cause of the climate crisis. Um, and reading their work is, for me personally, like really upset, like unsettling, because how they write about it is that they are in the fifties or sixties or something, and they say that they arrived in a country in the global south and there were just people everywhere people doing this and people doing that and how they describe them is they dehumanize them so much and then what they say is what they say is really really unsettling um like they say things that there's one quote from um one author who i don't even think it's worth uttering their name Mm -mm. but um he was saying it'd be kinder that rather than to give these people aid um that we they should send an atomic bomb there instead because they were Mm. like a like a a scourge on humanity and that is the basis to which overpopulation arguments have been made they've been made to devalue lives of Mm -hmm. people in the especially because they focus on the global south and they never ever say that um we should control population in the west (laughs) or the global north they never suggest that they only ever suggest population control measures in the global south and they say that it's because of the um, population growth rates that's um those are causing the climate crisis but when you actually look at per capita emissions Mm. that doesn't hold up at all like we mentioned before on the um on the first episode that um it's actually i said 12 days in the first episode but i was wrong it was in six days um someone in the uk has the same carbon footprint as someone in rwanda for a year and in china where everyone always talks about China being the problem. They're actually 12th when, when you look at per capita emissions mm. and it's Australia and the US and all those countries that are at the top. But no one's ever saying that Australia and the US should um, have population yeah. control measures. But also like, you know, for example, the UK, the UK almost like produces almost nothing in their own country, but has put all of their production, like mm. factories and everything to countries 
that are in the traditional like global south for example china mm. um so all of those emissions are not calculated for the uk's emissions so mm. when you look at the emission curve for example from the uk um there is like in recent years actually a little curve going down because it only measures direct emissions and it doesn't include aviation and other for example like all production measures which mm. is now shipped off to china so it's completely I mean, beyond racist and mm. eco-fascist, um, it's incredibly in inconsiderate um, to say that, you know, we are so frontline, like amazing and doing positive things for the climate. And that we should control other countries instead. Exactly. And, and, and how and, dare and, we? Yeah, how dare we? And also, I think people really need to understand that these controls have been put in place in some countries before. Yeah. So um, I'm doing a health and human rights course this semester. And within it, we looked at like reproductive liberty and reproductive rights and all those different things. And there was a case study of in Bangladesh where um, population controllers um, went to Bangladesh and said that they need to curb the, the population. And how they did that was, um, they said it was under the guise of reproductive liberties. They said they were giving these women liberty of their, of their reproductive rights by um, giving them contraceptives. But rather than giving the women a choice over contraceptives, they um, forced them to use contraceptives. And mm. the the contraceptives that were used on the women were not done based on safety, were not done based on what the women wanted. They were done based on how hard it would be for the women to stop taking it or remove it themselves. So for example, they would give women an IUD because it it doesn't, they can't remove it themselves. Mm. And even if they got, the, what, and I think anyone who's listening here who's ever been on birth control in any way, you know that the side effects can be awful. They can be terrible. And these women were not allowed to go off any of this birth control, whether they had side effects or not. And they were told they had to keep it in for the full time. Mm. Um, and that is heartbreaking and awful. And this mm. is this is what ecofascism allows for. It allows for these different um, really oppressive kind of ideas and measures to be put in. I'd really recommend if anyone wants to learn more about this and the effects that it can have, there's a really good documentary um, that was done by The Guardian on um, the indigenous women of Peru and how the Fujimori, I hope I'm saying that right, um, government basically did a, a similar kind of thing, but instead they did forced sterilizations on mm. indigenous women under the guise of population control. And in that in that case, it's really heartbreaking. And you hear these stories of these women themselves who were trying to stand up for themselves and say like, we have a voice and this happened to us and this shouldn't have happened to us and it only happened to us because like you thought we didn't have a voice and you thought we couldn't speak for ourselves mm. and you thought we couldn't stand up for ourselves and within that it's really um the Fujimori government was praised by the rest of the world and being told like you've done great things for reproductive liberty of these women and for population control like you've allowed them to have smaller families but they weren't given a choice in this so that yeah. so how so that isn't that isn't justice based at all that mm. isn't human rights based at all that's oppressive and especially because it was targeting, targeting indigenous women and it wasn't, the rest of the population wasn't being forced Supported, into these things yeah. at all. So, um, and that's been like a lot of heavy stuff that I've like yeah. now said, but I think we just need to be aware of this. Is, this, so, is, yeah. this is what, this is what ecofascism and even whistling to ecofascism allows for. Yeah. Um, and we might not see it here. Like we're both based in Scotland. Like we might not see that directly here. Um, but we can still support it internationally mm. and justify it. Yeah, um, and we and we can still call out when yeah. arguments will allow for that. Yeah, because when you see someone post and they're like, "Oh, Mother Nature's just renewing herself. There are too many humans." Like, what they're saying is they're justifying the deaths of people. Yeah, and they are whispering to eco-fascists and to everyone generally to be like, "The deaths of people 
are, are required yeah. and worth yeah. it. Um, yeah, when we look historically at colonization, for example, the UK used um, troops on their front lines in World War Two and World War One as well um, from their international or like from their colonized um, regions. So, for example, like Indian forces were put at the front lines of their war zones because to them, um, I mean, they were completely dehumanized. And I think and, you know, back then, like the I guess like the their ideology was like there were like their lives are worse less so we can put that at the front lines mm. and i think that just completely manifests now in the eco-fascist argument mm. of okay china was um you know like china or other communities that are most heavily affected by this pandemic are worthless because then we it'll be easier for us to meet climate targets mm. and i think this like dehumanization of others um to justify your own means even if you think that is for the common good is completely like off like that mm. that like those two things cannot go hand in hand because if it was truly for us all then no one would have to be the sacrifice and mm. we wouldn't sacrifice other lives particularly those that have historically been um, at the front lines and are still being at the front lines and are continue to be oppressed by white supremacy. Mm. Um, and I mean, if you look at, you know, how, how Trump now calls this a Chinese virus, that should set off all alarm bells. Um, mm. yeah. And like, who's good is the common good. Do you yeah. know, I think yeah. one thing that I really see in these eco-fascist arguments is that the only good they care about is their own good, their own good and yeah. the, the good of the people that are directly around them. Yeah. And they see almost these other people as like um, losses that have to be mm. made. And that is dehumanization. That is racism. That is white supremacy. Like that is... Patriarchy. Patriarchy. That is classism. That is like all Capitalism. these... Yeah, it's all these yeah. like oppressive forces. And if these people really, really cared about emissions and all this stuff, like they'd be tackling like wealth inequality and like the yeah. actual causes of the reason that we have these uh, they'd be tackling overconsumption in the west they wouldn't be yeah um I, just, I just, like i just don't understand how people can believe the overpopulation argument if they've actually looked at like mm. the stats but the thing is that most people have not looked at the stats because yeah. it's way easier to be like oh there are too many people in the world that's caused the climate crisis rather than having to understand that like especially if you live in the west mm. um because otherwise you have to confront the fact that how how we live our lives like how i live my life that's the cause yeah. like how i've like the whole structure in which the whole society that we live in that's the cause because it's so much easier to point the finger away and oh, be yeah. like the, the cause is far away the cause isn't here rather than pointing it back at yourself and being like actually like i've, I've got to make some changes like mm. and our, our how we live our lives is gonna have to change like yeah yeah i think um i mean we touched upon that like mm. We touched upon this earlier uh, with like the emissions, for example. Um, so there was uh, in China, there was a recorded drop of emissions of 25%. But still, um, that does not mean that, you know, like actually the, the capitalist system of economic growth or anything changes. And um, obviously, like, yes, production and consumption levels have dropped. And yet still, it's actually um, predicted to get spikes in emissions once this pandemic is over because the economic targets set by China and the international capitalist system um, are still there, are still in place. So actually, it might, you know, it might happen that uh, production levels ramp up dramatically, which 
obviously also will um, have dramatic effects on human rights, on workers' violations, on um, all of these different things. But also it will and or it could um, spike up emission levels. So I guess unless we address the intentions behind uh, lowering emissions, cutting flights, like all of these things are not done for climate targets. They are done mm -hmm. because we had to. And um, so just, first of all, you know, like we, we just said, like justifying them as, as eco-fascist and nonsense, but also recognizing that these changes might not last mm. if we don't actually change our intentions behind them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have much to add to that. That was, that mm -hmm. was, that was very good. <laughs> you just, as in, like, I think that's kind of summed it up really well. Because mm. I think, I think I really get that people are trying to see a silver lining in all of this because yeah. I guess it's it's a really crap situation. Yeah, we're clinging on a yeah, pole. Yeah, exactly. And we want to, we, and people want to make jokes about things and stuff like that. And like, it's just, I think we just, we, we have to recognize where we could be harming other people. Yeah. Like, genuinely be harming other people. And I, I really hope that um, hearing kind of, some of the um eco-fascist like i don't know effects of all of this might mean that next time you see a post like this you'll like check yourself or next time you're going to yeah. write a post about this you'll check yourself and be like is is it okay for me to be whispering that um these kind of oppressive forces should be instilled in order on mm. on like marginalized populations in order to like combat the climate crisis or should we have a justice based principle like should we have just based principles because solutions to the climate crisis can also be like really equitable solutions like the lancet um wrote in a, like a really mm -hmm. wonderful and hopeful article where they said that so they previously written one that described the climate crisis as the greatest threat to global health and then they wrote another one a few years later where they were like it's actually the greatest global health opportunity like we have an opportunity to um ad like combat so many different oppressive forces whilst we like try and have solutions to the climate crisis and so many of the solutions can also like lift up other communities but yeah. we have to make sure that justice is at the center of everything we do if that's what we want to do otherwise we're just going to end up in a, the same oppressive system that we live in at the moment and but just without the threat of the climate burning and i mean white supremacists will not get to define what justice mm. looks like um because i think that's what eco-fascists arguments also say like oh but this will justify or like this will bring justice we won't me as a white person i will not get to define and very you centric very privileged in general i won't get to decide what justice means for everyone mm. um that is not my place to say and i think that is also what ecofascism needs to realize that um it's it's our place to step away from from calling the shots <laughs> and like i think one thing i really want people to get from this as well is like not all solutions to the climate crisis are good solutions Yeah. Some of them are really bad solutions yeah. and really dangerous. And don't trust everyone who's in the climate movement. Don't don't like blindly trust people who say they care about the climate crisis because that doesn't mean that they care mm. about cl climate justice. And we need to make sure that we are keeping climate justice at the center of everything that we do. Um, especially as things get more desperate, especially as people are letting other things slip in. Like we all yeah. need to be calling that out as allies to all different communities. And I guess for me... I always have like a red flag when someone says that is the solution to mm. everything. Like that is for me, that's inherently oppressive because um, it devalues diversity and mm. diversity in people, but life experience and all of these things. So, um, but I guess if we're looking at something that is happening, there is more 
I guess like we both experience this in our community here. There's a lot of like mutual aid um, mm. trying to develop and like volunteers helping each other mm. out. And um, I guess if some if if there is something that this like pandemic really shows is that how fragile our systems are, mm. how very not resilient mm. we are at all as our communities. And um, I don't think there is a silver lining to a crisis where human where like lives are at risk but i guess um when we're talking about the intention and like how we're going to go forward um you know whatever bloody happens after this <laughs> um but i guess there can be like a refocusing on okay like maybe now we learned ways in in which to like reorganize like how do mm. we for example put vulnerable people at the center like how are we less ableistic because mm. um i guess if anything at the moment it's like okay like there have been people that have been excluded from a lot of the like what's been seen as conventional and normal ways of living mm. and these people are like were better prepared and okay so how can we put justice at focus mm. uh, or like in the middle of everything and yeah and I think if you're going to find a way to talk about this, I think talk about the fact that this has exposed that if we are in a crisis, our government can act to do something like, yeah, they're not prepared and they've done a really crap job so far. But people are saying like homeless people are being given homes, like universal credit is being pushed by Tories. <laughs> like mm. we actually do. I think if, if you're going to talk about this, talk about the fact that in a crisis, we do have the capacity to help and, and just basically call people out on their like oppressive arguments. Because I think this has shown that the government could like decrease a lot of these oppressive issues if they actually wanted yeah. to um i mean the uk not to. yeah the uk has not been you know treating this as a crisis so mm-hmm. far um but a lot of other governments have been mm-hmm. and also i guess i mean seeing in edinburgh like there were shops giving out survival packs to mm-hmm. like elderly you know like without even getting reimbursed for anything and like that i think okay our our government is like um acting or like acting more and more now like slowly but beyond that like it is like the mutual aid that is like shared beyond between people Mm. and um and we have enough stuff we just don't share it well yeah and i think we're and yeah if you've if you have adopted like good habits in this crisis like maybe like try and keep them on (laughs) yeah that's one thing you can do maybe think about like but also find a way to motivate yourself to keep that on whether there's not a pressing pressing mm. immediate crisis or not i think that like motivation is so key so if we want to make actual long-lasting change like you were saying joe like we need we need to be doing this for a long-term thing rather than a short-term thing yeah yeah it's about constantly reevaluating like what is needed what is needed mm. for my community what is you know like how can how can you support those people around you even when there's a lack of support from the overall bigger system Mm. um because inevitably inevitably that will feed into the bigger system Mm. um yeah and if you're feeling like alone and sad and stuff like same (laughs) so i just want you to know you're not alone in feeling alone because i'm not good at staying at home (laughs) at all like i find it really difficult um and i find like not being with those people all the time really difficult and I just want you to know that's fine, but mm-hmm. we, we're going to get through this and we can all do this together. And like, there's loads of, if you, if social media is not helping you get off, get off it, yeah. <laughs> if watching news isn't helping you, don't have to watch it. Like you don't have to, if you, you want to troll some, you know, 
eco-fascist or fossil fuel mm. businesses and that gives you the kick you need like do yeah it. if you just need to watch videos of like yeah. cute animals dogs. like dogs pigs. Yeah. i mean for me the favorite is pigs there's also a great video of a dog running into this bunch of leaves if you can find it somewhere i mean i watched that like five times today um <laughs> but, mm. but like do things to look after yourself i know it's been this has been like bit of a heavy topic mm. but like it's also really important and we have to engage it's these really things, important especially now and like call out all those like privileged people with their captions in lowercase like a rupee core poem telling you <laughs> that mother earth is really like cleansing herself as if it's like a really Yikes. poetic thing to say yeah and just like call them out call people, yeah, yeah call out racism call out ecofascism mm, always yeah always and, yeah and I feel like now there's like a bigger platform than ever like before mm. for ecofascism and like it's really important we filter out and we check ourselves constantly because mm. it's really easy to fall into those traps no 100% so check yourself and remember that like you don't have to be a bad person to say bad things yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm sure that I trip up so many times um, but I I should be called out on that and we need to make sure that we're calling people out on it and there's a way we can call people out without just being like you're a fully horrible person yeah like we can be like this is really problematic and here's why mm-hmm. and people can learn from that and move on whereas if we just let it slide all the time no one's gonna learn no, no one's, one's gonna, gonna move yeah. on yeah so yeah yeah basically be kind to each other be looking out for everyone and um stay safe Thank you so much for listening. Um, this podcast episode was produced by Finlay Moet and your hosts have been Joe Becker, um, Trees in Peace on Instagram. And Michaela Loach, um, Michaela Loach on Instagram. And you can follow us on Instagram, the Yikes Pod. Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even know her own username. Um, <laughs> I'm following. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.